Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. We provide wisdom for personal growth and healthy relationships. Stick with us and you'll gain practical tools and insights that will help you be a healthier and happier you. Hey guys, welcome back to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We're so glad that you're here with us today. Before we jump into today's episode, if you haven't already joined our Facebook group, there's a link in the show notes and we would love for you to join us there. In the last episode, we started a series on imposter syndrome. We began to introduce what it was and we started to talk about the five types of imposter syndrome. We talked about type 1 and 2, which is the perfectionist and the expert. And today we're going to be going over the other three types, which is the natural genius, the soloist, and the superman or the superwoman. So if you haven't already listened to part one, click the link in the show notes and go ahead and listen to that and then hop back over as we jump into today's episode. Number three is the natural genius. For this imposter syndrome type, you may feel like a fraud simply because you don't believe that you are naturally intelligent or competent. If you don't get something right the first time around, or it takes you longer to master a skill, you feel like an imposter. And so the idea behind this one is that if you don't get it perfectly on this first try around, that you're never going to be able to be good enough at this thing. And so this is a really interesting one because this is counter to basically how human beings learn everything, which is trial and error. I try, I fail. I try, I fail. Man, thinking about the first year of me as a therapist, man, I was awful. I was not good at all. But that's just a part of the deal is you get in, you start training, you're working, you supervise by somebody, you talk to your supervisor about how awful you are and how you don't know what to do. And then they help you understand a different way of engaging your clients or solving the problem. And then as you go through it, you start understanding more how it's moving. Then you start coming up with your own ideas, your own solutions and things like this. And now at this point in my career, comparing it to my first year, now I think about, I'm like, man, if a client can stump me where I don't know how to solve a problem or I don't know a path forward that I would be very surprised by that at this point. But at the first year, it was like, oh man, it was every time I turned a corner, I didn't know what I was doing. But I don't look at it and think, oh, I'm some type of imposter because I didn't get it right out of the gate because I don't really struggle with and I haven't really struggled with imposter syndrome. I'm able to look at and say, well, that's just the normal course of progression. Of course I was terrible at the beginning. I should have been terrible at the beginning. It would have been really weird or odd if I was fantastic right out of the gate. And you're right. In order to get better at something, we have to practice or sometimes struggle through it in the beginning to figure things out. And that's how you master a subject or a skill. And so instead of viewing it as practicing or learning to get better, they view it as a failure. I don't know what I'm doing because I'm not initially good at it. And this is the one really that I think cripples people from trying new things. So if this is the type of imposter syndrome you have, it makes doing these new things terrifying for people because then especially they feel like, oh, I'm going to get found out. I'm not naturally gifted in this, so I shouldn't even be bothered trying. And a part of it too, I think, especially as you get older, when you start hyper-specializing in things that you're doing, that it makes you more and more uncomfortable to fail because at a certain point, if you're doing something very regularly, you don't fail nearly as much. And then you get comfortable in this idea of, oh, I don't fail or I don't fail very much. And so if you get into a new thing and all of a sudden you start failing very frequently, it can become wildly uncomfortable. But if you want to pick up something new, if you go in with the idea that this is baked in the cake, I'm going to fail a bunch. 
then it helps you out. As a matter of fact, this is something I warn my clients all the time about, especially in couples counseling. I'll give them a new tool or technique to use, and I'll warn them and say, you're going to fail. And I'll give a little dramatic pause like that, and I'll let them simmer with it a little bit. And I say, but that's fine because you're learning a new skill that's normal. And I have to almost train people with this expectation. You're not going to be able to do this perfectly the first time. And that's okay. Just keep doing it. Come back in. I'll tweak. I'll give you guys some pointers and tips on how to do it better. But if you go into these activities and you're like, I have to perform perfectly, then you're not going to enjoy it as much as opposed to, I'm going to fail. I'm going to fall on my face. It'll be funny and I'll keep doing it and then I'll get better. And the natural genius is akin to the perfectionist because they have these high expectations. But there's a big difference between the two. The natural genius wants to succeed on the first try and in record time, which that adds even more pressure to these already high expectations and standards. Whereas the perfectionists, they understand it may take them a couple times, but as long as eventually they get it right. Now, I think this next one is a good one where I can use as an example where Your motivation matters if you're struggling with imposter syndrome or not. Now, I would say my behavior would say that I'm a soloist because I oftentimes don't like to collaborate or work with other people in order to get a task done. Now, the reason why I'm a soloist, but not in the category of imposter syndrome, is because I don't like to collaborate with people. I don't want to sit down and I don't want to plan and I don't want to get everybody on the same page to work on something. So a lot of times I pick up tasks and I just do them on my own. But if you're struggling with that imposter syndrome, you might be a soloist because you feel like if I don't do this all on my own, then that means that my accomplishment is nothing or is worthless. And so your motivation behind these matters. So if you're thinking, man, I'm exhibiting a behavior and it sounds like maybe I have imposter syndrome, what you really have to look at is not just the behavior, but what's the underlying motivation behind why you're exhibiting that behavior. And so even though I could look like a soloist on the outside, I'm not really a soloist because I don't have that imposter syndrome thought. It's more a different motivation of I don't want to collaborate or get everybody on the same page to move forward. It's much faster for me if I just move forward on my own. Right. So they have this idea that since you couldn't get there on your own, you question your competence or your ability. And a lot of times they also refuse to take credit if they received any kind of help or any kind of assistance. And this is one of the ones that last night I would have said that I definitely relate to. Because when we're talking about things or I'm sharing things with clients, I really do try to always give credit to wherever I got it from. And I think that is a good practice. But I think what the soloist does is they take this to an extreme. And if there was even a little bit of influence here or some help here, they don't take credit. And they kind of discount everything that they did or the whole project as a whole because it wasn't something that they accomplished. And this is also relating to one of the cognitive distortions, right? That all or nothing thinking. And so I think sometimes it shows up as them downplaying what they've accomplished, right? And I think it doesn't benefit people around you or your community by playing small Because a lot of times inventions and things that have come out have come springboarding off of someone else's ideas. And even research and different cures that they found, right? And so being able to recognize the people who have helped you and have been that springboard for you and giving them that credit and that honor and then walking confidently and boldly forward as you add value to it. 
And as you apply it to the specific people and the families and the needs that you are meeting along the way. And the fifth type of imposter syndrome is the superman or the superwoman. And this type of imposter syndrome involves believing that you must be the hardest worker or reach the highest levels of achievement possible. And if you don't, you're a failure or you're a fraud. And this is actually an interesting one. There's a lot of funny TikToks along this. And generally, it has to do with blue collar workers. Somebody will do this skit where it's like, oh, yeah, I worked 80 hours this week. I'm such a hard worker. Oh, man, I'm so exhausted. And then this one guy would be like, hey, bud, I got 160 hours by the first four days of the week. It must be nice working part time. And the joke really kind of plays into this idea of the Superman or Superwoman imposter syndrome that you have to be the hardest worker or your efforts are not important at all versus I like the idea of being ambitiously lazy. I don't remember where I first heard that term before, but I really like it where it's like I'm ambitious and I want to do something, but I want to use that ambition to be able to make my life easier, not to work hard for the sake of working hard, but to work hard for an end goal of then making life easier in the long run. Right. And the superman or superwoman, they feel like they have to be able to excel at every role that you take on in life. And I think it's important to be excellent in what you do and to give your best effort. But it's unrealistic and kind of overwhelming to feel like you have to excel at everything. Yeah, I think especially when you're married, being able to use your partner's strengths can be very helpful. And one of the things I may have mentioned this before, but I really just struggle with government documentation. I am not good at it. And so whenever it comes up to something, I always talk to Ruth about it because for whatever reason, when I'm reading through it, it feels like I'm trying to read Egyptian or read hieroglyphs. It's just, I look at the piece of paper, I'm like, I have no idea. I don't understand this. But you, on the other hand, you're very good at it. And so instead of me trying to become an expert in that, I can rely on you to assist me in filling out the documentation correctly so I won't have to fill it out for the fifth time or I won't get it kicked back to me, or I won't get a fine for submitting wrong information. And I think the Superman or Superwoman really does overlap with the perfectionist as well as the expert, right? They have these high standards that they feel like they have to excel at and know everything about and be the best at and be an expert in. And so that's a lot of weight and pressure to hold. And I do think, especially for the Superman or Superwoman, it's not really a competition. People make it out to be a competition, but a lot of times they're competing over something that doesn't really get you a trophy. Yeah, it makes me think of what you just said earlier about being ambitiously lazy, where a lot of times we'll kind of wear this badge of honor that we are so busy and, hey, how are you doing? Oh, we're good. We're just so busy and we're doing this and this and this and this. But like Tim just said, if it's not benefiting you, there's a lot of peace in not running around and having this badge of honor, right? That I am so busy. And so it relates to that being a superman or superwoman where you feel like you are running around, being busy, doing all the things and excelling at all the things. And yet, what if you stopped? What if you gave yourself margin? What if you were able to truly enjoy the stage or the situation that you're in rather than feeling like you have to constantly excel at this or feeling like I got to excel at this and then move on to the next thing and excel at this rather than just sitting and kind of being in the moment and enjoying it for what it is. But when they're not running around, they feel like a fraud or they feel like they're doing something wrong. And this is definitely one of the ones that I've related to. 
Yeah, I definitely think there have been times where you've told me, oh man, I haven't even sat down all day. And I think sometimes you're worried that I'm going to look at you and be like, oh, you're being lazy if you're sitting down versus I love sitting down. I love doing nothing, <laughs> right? That's one of my favorite things to do. But then you get self-conscious, like even if I'm sitting down or you have gotten self-conscious in the past because you're worried that I'm going to look at you and be like, well, you're not being superwoman right now. You haven't been on your feet for 16 hours today. <laughs> oh, for sure. And I think that does happen a lot where he'll have just come downstairs and I literally have just sat down. Maybe I put the baby down and then I came downstairs and sat down to work on an email or to do some other work on my phone or the computer. And I used to feel like, oh, I have to justify to him. And a lot of times they'll say things like, oh, I just sat down. And Tim will always respond with, that's great. Just sit down and enjoy. Or you don't have to explain to me what you're doing. And so it is a lot of that internal pressure because Tim doesn't put that on me. A lot of times he'll encourage me to go rest or to go take a nap. And it really is kind of that internal dialogue that I have and that level of expectation as well as looking around and feeling at times overwhelmed by everything that needs to be done. And I have to remember that God has given me enough time to accomplish what he wants me to accomplish. And so everything else that I'm trying to do and run around, it might not be what I'm supposed to be doing. Right? And you guys have all heard, we all have the same 24 hours. And it makes me think of Mary and Martha in the Bible, right? Where Martha is rushing around and getting things done and preparing. And Mary is just sitting at the feet of Jesus and soaking it in and being in the moment. And so Martha is telling Jesus, don't you see what I'm doing, Jesus? Tell Mary to come and help me. And he says, Mary has chosen what's better and it will not be taken away from her. And so I think we do need to get done what needs to get done. But we also need to set that margin in our life so that we can be present for what is important and we can sit at the Savior's feet or we can do what God's called us to do. And there's a great book that you can look up, Having a Merry Heart in a Martha World. And I think that's very true. Our world very much has that Martha mentality of go, go, go. And you feel like that's what's required of you. And so the superhero man or the superhero woman really struggles with that. All right, you guys, we're going to stop there with today's episode. We hope you join us in the next episode where we'll begin to talk about the signs and some symptoms of imposter syndrome. We hope you have a great day and remember, your mind is a powerful thing. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it helpful, we'd love for you to take some time and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you have a question or a topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group, Mr. and Mrs. Therapy Podcast, and let us know. Disclaimer, although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. Please seek professional help if you're struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988 if you are contemplating suicide.